Welcome to episode 10, Surviving a Mass Shooting. I've been working in my office. After evening services, I go out to the lobby of the synagogue and someone says that there is a rabbi who wants to meet with you. I go to the lobby and I see a young gentleman. He introduces himself and he says, I am Rabbi Alperovich from North Dakota. And I says, welcome. He says, Rabbi, I just want to give you a hug. I'm here in San Diego and I just wanted to give you a hug. And he gives me a hug. And interestingly, he was the newly appointed rabbi at the last state of the United States of America to get a Chabad emissary. See, he kind of completed the whole United States of America uh, that having every state should have an emissary. And he says, you know, Rabbi, my heart goes out to you for everything you have been through. And we're standing in the lobby. And I explained to him, I says, you know, we're standing in the lobby where the greatest miracle happened. Standing right here, the miracles unfolded. Sadly, in the same lobby that we lost, Lori Lynn Gilbert Kay, which forever our hearts will go out to that loss. However, the miracles that happened are miracles piled one upon another. So he asked me, how are you doing, Rabbi? I said, I haven't really had a chance to think about it, especially now that in a few weeks I've been invited to go to the United Nations to talk to the General Assembly. And I've been so humbled by that invitation, but also I've been so bewildered and stressing over how am I going to be able to stand on the podium at the United Nations General Assembly and say the right words that need to be spoken after this shooting, after this hideous anti-Semitic blatant hatred event, to talk to the world, to talk to every ambassador from the world, to try to make a difference. So I told him I've been pretty stressed about that. I looked at him and he turned pale. You can see like a cold sweat coming over him. And I says, are you okay? He says, yes, you wouldn't believe this. I says, what? He says, I've been assisting an author in writing a book. And I was doing some historical research for a book that he was writing about the world's Jewish leader, Rabbi Schneerson, who passed away in 1994. And in my research, I came across a speech that was prepared, proofread by the Grand Rebbe, and 
was assigned to be read at the United Nations. But it never happened. This speech has been sitting for 33 years on the shelf and was never executed. It was never delivered. And he looks at me, he says, I can't believe it. You, a rabbi, are going to be addressing the United Nations? And I'm here in your synagogue talking to you? And I know about this speech that has been sitting on the shelf for 33 years? That the Rebbe, the Grand Rabbi, wanted it delivered and it never happened? I am standing there trembling, thinking to myself, oh, wow. This isn't a coincidence. This isn't an accident. What are the chances that a rabbi from North Dakota would show up in my lobby just to give me a hug and to reveal to me, by chance seemingly, that he has a speech that was written and proofread and ready to be read at the United Nations 33 years ago, but never happened. So I realize this is divine providence. Maybe this is the reason why I survived the shooting. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is what I have to do now. I have to take this speech that was written 33 years ago, that the Rebbe wanted it spoken at the United Nations, but never happened. And I have a chance now to actuate that, to make that happen. I asked him, I says, Rabbi, can you please forward me that speech right away? And he sends me, within a few minutes, he's able to send me over that speech. I printed it out, sat at my desk. I'm reading it in trepidation. I'm reading it with such awe, with such humility, that I have a chance to accomplish an unfinished mission. I began reading the speech, and I realized how appropriate, how timely this speech is, how perfect it is for everything I've been through and what I need to say at the United Nations. The speech the Rebbe is introducing to the United Nations, the concept of realizing that the world is not a jungle, that God created this world for humanity to coexist, that every human is precious, every human is valued. And the Rebbe introduced the observance of the seven general laws known as the Noite laws. Speaking about that in the United Nations, which has been known to be the house of lies, is now the opportunity to actuate the words that is engraved from the prophets that we must turn swords into plowshares. We must usher in greater times. Reading through the speech, five pages, was a lot of data. I had to rewrite my initial script to incorporate these five pages. But there's only one problem. The United Nations 
have allotted to me nine minutes to give my talk. So I have spent the time in writing a speech that should be most poignant and most effective, but it only last nine minutes. What do I do now? I have five pages that the Rebbe wrote and edited and proofread. And now I'm the one who has to deliver that message, the unfinished mission. But how could I fit it into nine minutes? What do I cut out? What do I leave in? That created a whole new dilemma for me. How do I take nine minutes talking to the United Nations General Assembly to share with them my experiences that I just experienced, surviving the mass shooting, and talking about anti-Semitism, talking about the remedy, and yet incorporating the Rebbe's words. Yes, I did have my work ahead of me. But I began researching what, what was this speech written for? Why did the Rebbe write the speech, and why wasn't it delivered? I researched and found out that indeed, 33 years ago, the Rebbe wanted this speech to be introduced to the United Nations to counter some negative things that were happening. See, the world was created with darkness and light. The light is about pushing away darkness. A little bit of light pushes away a lot of darkness. So when the Rebbe saw an event that was bringing darkness to the world, the Rebbe wanted to counter it. And his way of countering it is by going public in the most public forum, which was the United Nations General Assembly, talking to the whole world about the seven Noite laws, the seven general laws that's applicable to the whole world. So the Rebbe reached out to Rabbi Abraham Hecht, who is a rabbi of the Jewish Syrian community in Brooklyn, New York, who is very well connected. And he asked him, I would like you to go to the United Nations and to deliver this speech. Rabbi Nissen Mendel with the Rebbe penned the speech. The Rebbe edited it and had it all ready to go. Rabbi Hecht was all excited to have been sent on this mission. And he begins his journey, finding podium time at the United Nations. And he begins with the Israeli government. And they said that they are already scheduled. The ambassador has very pertinent information for the security of Israel that they just don't have any allotted time to offer him. He spoke to the United States ambassador, went from country to country to country, trying to get a country who would allot him some time to talk at the United Nations. The Secretary of the United Nations understood his wish and his plea, and he offered, he says, listen, I'm sorry that there is no podium time available to you, but I will distribute a print of your speech to every single ambassador that's there. So every ambassador will have a printed speech that you want to talk. 
Rabbi Hech asked the Rebbe if that would be sufficient, and the Rebbe said no. These are words that need to be spoken from the podium. It needs to come from your heart, from your soul. I need you at the podium. So Rabbi Hech continues seeking from country to country until he finally came upon the country of Nicaragua. And they said, you know what? We could allot you some time. Um, that you could use our allotted time and you can deliver your message. Rabbi Hech was so excited that the country in Nicaragua will allow him to deliver the speech. And he let the Rebbe know everyone was anticipating, waiting for it to happen. A week before the date that Rabbi Hecht was supposed to deliver the speech at the Port of the United Nations, there is a revolution and the government is overthrown. And no longer does he have contact with the ambassador of Nicaragua. And the whole plan just fell apart. That he no longer had a lot of time at the United Nations. Thus, this speech went into deep freeze, was sitting on the shelf for 33 years until that day. Having learned this history, it gave me more strength, impetus, excitement, and energy to realize that I could do something for the Rebbe who has passed away in 1994. And here we are in 2019 as the Rebbe is looking down from heaven and seeing that I, the survivor of the mass shooting, is going to be invited to the United Nations so I could finally deliver his message. In my mind, I have been suffering not just from PTSD, but also survivor's guilt. Uh, going through the whole gamut of emotional roller coasters, psychological roller coasters, and oftenly asking, why did I survive? What are the chances that I would survive a point blank shooting from AR 15 and only to lose my two fingers? No other vital organs were affected, but I was left basically intact so that. I have a mission at hand. Every day to me is a bonus day. Every day to me is a miracle day to be alive. And I'm so grateful for every single day. It's like the past was the past. And whatever my life was in the past is in the past. But now I got a future that God has endowed me this extra time in the world to do something. And I'm thinking that this mission to deliver this address at the United Nations is, is paramount. Maybe that's the reason why I survived the shooting. So now I put the pen to the paper to begin writing a speech that will include five pages of data, including what the Israeli ambassador wants me to talk about in front of the United Nations. And yeah, I've been writing sermons for close to 40 years. This was a tall order to be able to condense and sort through the most important pointers and to be able to yet deliver what 
the mission is on me. Rather a daunting task, but a great honorable task. In the meantime, I got invited to Brazil to talk in front of 2,000 people who gathered from the various communities. So I figured on my way to Brazil, which would be on the way to New York to talk at the United Nations, I will have ample time in flight to uh, write this nine-minute speech. And indeed, that is what I did. First, I was able to pen the speech, and then I would practice it, and I would set my time clock, and to be able to see how long does nine minutes actually last, and how much data can I get into those nine minutes. It was a daunting task, and every time I tried, I failed. I just couldn't get the information in, and I just didn't know how I was going to do it. In the meantime, I, I arrived at Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I spoke to the Jewish community there. It was an amazing experience talking to 2,000 individuals who wanted to hear firsthand what it was like to survive a mass shooting, and more importantly, how do you react to it? How do we deal with anti-Semitism in our generation? How do we deal with this wave of hatred that is falling upon the world? And it was my responsibility to be able to introduce the concept of everyone is a little light that can push away a lot of the darkness. And everyone needs to view themselves as a candle, that all the candles together creates a huge torch. And that is our task, not to be daunted, not to be frightened from the darkness that's out there. Because yes, God created darkness, but God also created the light. And it is our responsibility to be the light and never to underestimate our light that can push away the darkness. After spending the night in Brazil, the next day, I'm, that night I'm flying to New York, because the next day is going to be my day to talk to the General Assembly at the United Nations. My flight back to New York was a sleepless night, going through every single possibility of rewriting the speech to bring it into nine minutes. Well, I finally arrived in New York and I stayed over in Manhattan, waking up in the morning after a very short sleep. I said my morning prayers and I realized it is time for me to surrender to God and realizing that I'm not going to be able to say everything I need to say in these nine minutes. It's just not logistically possible. At that moment, I surrendered to God. I says, God, I'm going to go in front of the General Assembly and I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to see what comes out of my mouth. I'm going to rely on you to put the inspiration and to put the words in my mouth. And whatever comes out, God, that's what you want, and that's what's going to be. And that surrendering was very redeeming for me. I no longer had to worry about how am I going to take five pages and nine minutes and put it together. So I actually took the five pages speech with me, 
and I brought it to the podium. Making my way to the United Nations that morning, the Israeli ambassador sent over an agent to pick me up. When I arrived at, it, at the United Nations, went through security, I was given my identification tag, which is very humbling. In my wildest dreams, I never thought that I would be invited to talk to the General Assembly at the United Nations. The task at hand is enormous. This may be my greatest mission of my life. This may be the reason why I survived the shooting, so that I should be able to deliver the speech. I am then introduced to the Israeli ambassador, Mr. Dadon, and he introduces me to the Israeli television network, and he interviews me, and I'm standing there and answering questions, unscripted, but from my heart, so that all people in Israel can learn from my experience and to get strength from my experience and to realize that when you survive a mass shooting, you survive for meaning and purpose to bring a little light to the world, to push away a lot of darkness, and to truly make this world a better world. And that was going to be my mission today, that as I wait for my moment to get up at the podium, I will then realize that my survival of the mass shooting was to make a better world than it was. And for me to be the messenger, the emissary, who can deliver a message that hopefully would make a difference. In the next episode, number 11, I'll share with you an unprecedented and unbelievable experience. What happened when I stood up at the podium at the United Nations looking over the General Assembly and about to address the whole world. A miraculous event occurred that answered my question. How am I going to be able to share five pages of data in nine minutes? Please tune in to episode 11.